With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries.
on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 22nd of March. Hope you're all having yourselves a very pleasant day. Following yesterday's announcement that Emmanuel Adebayor had retired and my remembrance that Emmanuel Adebayor played for Real Madrid during his career, which I was completely stunned to realise and Surprised that I'd forgotten it. Uh, we have another retirement today. Mesut also has decided to retire from professional football uh, at the age of 34, having won 92 caps for Germany, being key part of the 2014 World Cup win. Uh, his career has taken him from Schalke to Werder Bremen to Real Madrid to Arsenal and on to Turkey. Uh, he has announced that he is to retire injuries and some other things have taken their toll on him. Uh, he obviously retired from the German national team in rather controversial circumstances where he cited the racism and disrespect he'd faced in Turkey, uh, sorry, in Germany over his Turkish roots, having been photographed with Turkish President Erdogan who, you know, is a reprehensible human being. Um, Mesut Özil is a player I have adored for years and years and years. He started out with Schalke, but he moved to Werder Bremen in the January window of the 2007-2008 season. And I fell in love with him as soon as I saw him play for Werder. His ability to create chances, to manipulate the ball, to manipulate the opposition defence was just otherworldly even back then. Uh, him and Diego Ribas in the one team was incredible to watch as someone that has watched a lot of bad football from Werder Bremen. Watching these two together spin magic for 18 months was incredible. And unfortunately, obviously, Diego went off to Juventus. It didn't work out for him. And Osel would leave for Real Madrid and go on to have a great career there. But watching them together in that cup-winning Werder team, that's one of my favourite teams of all time. With regards to Osel... I think he has a real argument to be one of the greatest playmakers in history. You look back to his first season with Schalke, which was the 06-07 season. And he plays 19 games, just the one assist. But his passing and dribbling make him stand out from others in his age group. 
And it's very clear that Schalke have a, a rather special talent on their hands. The next season, he plays 30 games at senior level, two goals and five assists. And this is when uh, Werder snap him up to bring him in in the the January. Sh- shocking that Sh- uh, Schalke would let him go. But I assume financial issues, which was generally the case at Schalke in the 2000s and, and later, were the reason behind that. In his first full season with Werder, 47 games, 5 goals, 23 assists. He was just phenomenal. Throughout that season, his ability to pick a pass was we laud De Bruyne for his ability to pick passes. Mesut also did it on a different level. Mesut Ossel's, his his slide rule passes, his reverse passes, his crossing, his Travella passes, whatever you needed him to do with the ball at his feet, he could do. And watching him dribble past people, never seeming to change speed, but managing to make defenders miss and just mesmerizing body swerves feints didn't need that great pace didn't need step overs and fancy tricks just literally using his body to throw others off it was just incredible to watch um 0910 was his last season with Werder uh, again, a phenomenal season, 46 games, 10 goals, 29 assists that season. That is ludicrous. 16 in the league. He goes to Real Madrid, and this is where the, the real explosion of Mesut Ozil happens. He had played very well at the 2010 World Cup, and it was very clear he was a special talent. Real got him for peanuts. I think they paid around 8 million to buy him. Let me just double check that. I think it was about 8 million. Oh, 15 million euro, which might've been at the time when the, the English pound was strong, might've been like 11 million, but it was, it was so cheap for what they were getting. His first season, 54 games, 10 goals, 29 assists. That's three straight seasons of over 20 assists, which is ludicrous. Uh, The next season, 52 games, seven goals, 28 assists. He made Cristiano's life when he went there because Cristiano got so many easy chances. It was absolutely unfair to the opposition. Uh, The following season, 52 games, 10 goals, 25 assists. That's now five seasons in a row over 20 assists. Uh, 13 14. I think that was his last year at Real. No, this is when he moved to Arsenal. Excuse me. This is when he moved to Arsenal. 42 games, seven goals, 14 assists. I, I never understood why Real sold him. I knew they want, I know they wanted to bring in Gareth Bale. But for me, what Osel gave them was better than anything Bale ever gave them. I know Bale has big goals in big games and all the rest, but 
from a consistency standpoint, Mesut Ozil was just levels above. You'll note as well, 40 to 50 games every season here. He's not missing games. He's incredibly reliant, reliable in terms of his availability uh, until he comes to England. Um, that's 13, 14, seven goals, 15 assists. Some people tried to tag him as a, as a flop in his first season uh, because he had a, an injury and did miss about 10 games. But still, five goals, 10 assists in your first season in the Premier League is not bad at all. Uh, the next season is when he really starts to break down with injuries. Uh, five goals, nine assists in 32 games, dropping into single digits assists for the first time since he was at Schalke. Uh, 15, 16, he has a bit of a resurgence. He stays fit. 35 games in the league, 45 in all competitions, eight goals and 20 assists. Into 16, 17 we go. He plays 44 games, 12 goals, 15 assists. He was outstanding that season for Arsenal. In 17, 18, he plays only 35 games, 5 goals, 15 assists. Missed 12 league games in total. Uh, 18, 19, this is when the relationship with Arsenal sours. 35 games, only 24 in the league. Six goals, three assists, but there's a couple of fallings out at the club. The following season, Arteta is in the door. They don't get on. Plays 23 games, only 18 in the league. One goal and three assists. And that's kind of the end of Mesut Ozil. As an elite level player, he moves to Turkey, plays only 11 games, one assist, can't stay fit, plays only 700 minutes for the whole season. Then he has a bit of a bounce back, 26 games, nine goals, which is very good for him. Only two assists, though, uh, which is disappointing. And then this current season, he's only played eight times, 187 minutes. And that is why he has made the decision to retire. Um, He has started one game, I think, all year. And that was in, like, a... The, the, the Turkish Cup. Um, it's little runouts off the bench here and there, and he's obviously not going to be happy with that. So he has decided uh, to retire. If we look at his career, um, 467 games less. Some of these here are listing uh, underage games in in Germany, I would say you're probably looking at 28, 31. You're looking at 40 games there. So about 427 senior games, um, 426, sorry, 426 senior games in his career, um, 153 assists. I think that's a fairly special return. Um, now that's league games. Sorry, that is league games. Total. 23, 153 is 176, 176, 216, 222 assists in senior football. That's a pretty good return. But he was a special passer of the ball. If you have time, go on YouTube and just put in Mesut Ozil passing. And honestly... 
you will get hours of enjoyment. There's one called Mesut Ozil, The Art of Passing. It's incredible. There's Mesut Ozil Assist Machine from the official Real Madrid account on YouTube. It is unbelievable. Uh, another really good one was Mesut Ozil When Football Becomes Art. There are so many phenomenal ones. There's one called 100 Unfinished Mesut Ozil Passes, which are ridiculously good passes that his teammate couldn't finish off. There's just, honestly, go and spend an hour. Take an hour from your day and go and watch the Mesut Ozil passing compilations. It is mind-boggling how good this guy was. It's such a shame that he joined Arsenal when he did because, you know, they had him and they had Alexis and that's kind of all they really had. They had a mediocre defence and a mediocre midfield, also Alexis and a mediocre number nine. Now, they did have Oli Giroud for a while, but he wasn't, he wasn't ever a big goal scorer. He was a great facilitator, which is partly why Alexis put up good numbers. But if they'd had that great goal scorer to finish off that front four, also right, Alexis left, Giroud plus a goal scorer through the middle, and then put a real team behind them, <clears throat> they would have been special. They really would. But... I think of the goalkeepers they had, the defenders they had. I mean, they, they Arsenal fans used to fool themselves into thinking that Koscielny was a great defender. He was bang average at best. They had Mustafi. They had Mertesacker, who was a good defender, but he was old and he was slow and he wasn't suited to playing in a high line. And it just wasn't very good. They had Aaron Ramsey for a while in midfield who did offer a goal threat, but not a whole lot else. But it was just a lot of very, very average players. Jack Wilshire not working out the way he was expected to was a big factor because if he could have got Wilshire, if he developed into the player they hoped he would be, and if Oxlade-Chamberlain had been able to stay fit and players like that could have made such a difference, but Ultimately, Arsenal failed Osul and they failed Sanchez and never put around them the team that those two deserved. Um, he ends his career having had a decent run, in fairness, in terms of what he won. He won the uh, the German Cup in 2009, was a runner-up in 2010, was a UEFA Cup runner-up in 2009. That was a, a heartbreaking heartbreaking loss in that final because undeniably they were the better team going in uh, but they lost to Shakhtar Donetsk uh, after extra time Diego got hurt wasn't he? he was injured for that one let me just click in here. Yeah, they should have won that final. They should have won that final. 
But it was a very good Shakhtar team, to be fair. But Werner should have won that. He went to Real, he won the league, he won the cup, went to Arsenal, won the FA Cup four times, was a League Cup runner-up and a Europa League runner-up under Unai Emery. Uh, won a European Under-21 Championship with Germany in 09, finished third in the World Cup in 2010. But obviously the highlight of his career is that 2014 World Cup win with Germany. Um, just a phenomenal player. Five-time German Player of the Year. Led the Premier League in assists once. Led the Bundesliga in assists once. I think he was three times leader in assists in La Liga. Just a sensational player. Absolutely sensational. Yeah, it was three times because he was he was there three years. He was assist leader every year. I would I would have paid huge amounts of money to watch Mesut Ozil in his prime. He was so much fun to watch. It's a shame. It's a shame that his career ended the way it did. Um, it's a shame that he's had to retire because you would have loved to have seen him playing till he was in his you know late thirties, just pinging the ball around, doing what he did. But uh, he's made a decision and and he'll stick by it. He's a man of principle and. You know, he was also failed by Arsenal uh, when he spoke out against the, um, the treatment of Muslims in China. Arsenal had no no time to back him on that, which was very, very disappointing. I think that's part of what caused some of the big falling out. But, you know, Arsenal, not exactly a club with a, uh, with a moral backbone, as we can see by, you know, who's playing as their number six at the moment. Um, <clears throat> other news today, Kylian Mbappe, the Paris Saint-Germain Ford slash director of football, has been named as the new captain of the French national team. Uh, the only assumption I can take here is that he will soon become the manager of the French national team, as well as the uh, manager and potentially owner of Paris Saint-Germain as everybody bows at his feet and makes him probably the most entitled player in the world, which is, I think, to his detriment. I think he's an amazing player. But I think he's pandered to far too much. And I don't think PSG or the national team do him a great service with this type of treatment. Um, other news, Pierre-Emile Heusberg has called on Tottenham manager Antonio Conte to be more precise following his rant on Saturday. After Spurs gave up a 2-0 lead in a 3-3 draw at Southampton, Conte called his players selfish and criticised the club's culture. Uh, reports have suggested that Conte will be sacked this week. Heusberg said, I think we've all seen his comments. He gave a very honest and very open press conference. It is because he's not satisfied. You don't do that if you've reached the quarterfinal of the Champions League or if you're in the semifinal of the FA Cup. It comes from the fact that, unfortunately, we did not get the results we as a team and club wanted. We are still where we want in the league in terms of being top four. I understand that if you want to be successful as a team, you need 11 men who are committed to a project and a culture. 
But I think he has to elaborate on how he feels before you as a player can start measuring and weighing. Um, well, firstly, it takes far more than 11 men to uh, have a successful team. You need a minimum of, I'd say, 18 to 19 um, who are fully committed and you know good enough, uh, as well as the coaching staff, the medical staff and all the rest. But yeah, look, the players don't seem to have been stung by what Conte said. I think they're aware that there's an issue at Spurs. And I think the the cry arsing and hand-wringing over what he said is very strange to me because everything he said was true. There is a culture of being losers at Spurs. There is a softness to their team. The players do play in a selfish way. There's very few of them who are willing to sacrifice for the good of the team. Uh, I think Hoisberg is one who is. I think Romero is one who is. You, you could put Bentoncourt into that group. And after that, I'm really struggling for names. I think there's a lot of players at Spurs that are very much me, me, me. I think Harry Kane is one of them. Now, Harry Kane is a number nine. So in many ways, you want him to be that way. That's why he's a great goal scorer. But I do think he needs to stand up a bit more as the leader of that team, as the captain, as the guy that wears the armband. And if he's not capable of doing that, he needs to have a chat with some of the others in the squad and say, look, I can lead by example, but I need you to lead by words, by actions, by setting standards by making demands, by holding others accountable. I think that would be the sign of a good captain if if Harry Kane could do that, could go to Hoisberg and Romero and other, you know, strong people. I, I I know Hugo Lloris is the club captain, but Hugo Lloris is a, is a liability. And the players look to Kane. They look to Kane for their lead. No one's looking at the worst player in the team. At Liverpool, the players look at Virgil. They look at Mo. They don't look at Henderson. At United, the players looked to Bruno. That's why Bruno's now wearing the armband and Maguire's sitting in the stand. They look to Rashford. You know, players look to the best players for their lead and Kane needs to find others that can can enforce accountability and build a culture of accountability so that players aren't phoning it in I don't think what Conte said was wrong at all I think Spurs would be making a huge mistake in sacking him I understand that some Spurs fans are frustrated he's only been in the job 18 months and he could be set to get you your second top four finish in a row. That puts him ahead of where Jurgen Klopp was at the same point in his Liverpool tenure, where he was securing his first top four finish. Conte's only had two trans- three transfer windows. That team needs a bit more work. It needs two centre-backs. It needs a goalkeeper. You get them, put a bit of backbone into the team, 
remove the liabilities, remove those who aren't good enough but are held up as if they are, like Eric Dyer, who should be first out the door. And all of a sudden, Tottenham could turn things around very quickly. I think it was yesterday or Monday I spoke about it. You look at what's there for a back three, for a 3-4-3, Romero on the right of the back three. You're not going to find much better than him wherever you look. He is one of the very best in the world. Pedro Porro is one of the best right wing backs in the world. Huge talent. Room for growth. Needs time to settle in. But absolutely a quality, quality player. Uh, Destiny Adoji coming in next summer. Massive talent. Him and Sessegnon lock that position down for years to come as you can do if you give Jed Spence an opportunity to be the backup to Poro that's that position locked down you don't need to worry about those positions for years central midfield I wouldn't be touching it I'd leave it as it is you've got the players just get the pairing I think the pairing is Bentoncourt and Basuma when Bentoncourt and Basuma are fit again that, to me, would be the pairing. And then you've got Heusberg, Papi Matar Sar, Oli Skip, and if you want to keep him, Harry Winks. You've got six good options in there. You're not looking for game winners in that position. You're looking for game managers. You're looking for guys that can break up the opposition play and get you moving into your sets. Basuma, Bentoncourt, Heusberg, Winks, Skip, Papi Matarsar, all of them can do that. Matarsar might be might be the one capable of becoming a really world-class player in that role because he's very, very talented. But you don't need him to be. You just need him to become a good player. Don't need to touch any of that midfield forward. That is set. You don't need to touch it for the next couple of years. You've got Kulisevsky, and Brian Hill as the right-sided options in attack. Set. Both young, super talent. Don't need to touch it. Son and Richarlison for the left. Set. Don't need to worry about it. You could do it finding another option as a backup to Kane. Now, you've got Dane Scarlett, who's very highly regarded at the club. Maybe it's him. Maybe you need to look around Europe and try and find a young striker who could come in and be developed. Someone like Rasmus Hoytland, who I mentioned yesterday at Atalanta. If you could get him, bring him in, develop him behind Kane, with a view that in three, four years, he'll be the first choice. Could play with Kane in certain sets as well. What you need to do is sort that defence. Davies is fine as a backup. Joe Roden is fine as a backup. Tanganga is fine as a backup. Those three as your backup three, that's fine. No problem. Sell Davinson. Ship Eric Dyer to Siberia. By a starting central defender and a starting left-side central defender, and you're set from your outfield positions. 
You don't need to do anything else. That is all this summer should be about. Get those two centre-backs and that forward player. And you might not even need that forward player. You could use Richarlison as the backup to Kane, and you could keep Danjuma, although he doesn't seem to be in Conte's um, good graces, but you could also just buy another wide option. You've got a buyback on Marcus Edwards. You could bring him back. That's a really exciting option to bring back into the squad. You've got to sort the goalkeeper. Fraser Forster's fine as your third choice, and he helps with the quota, and that's all he should be. Got to go find yourself a starter. And if it means Lloris is the backup for a year, fair enough. If you can ship Lloris out, even better. Go and get yourself a second goalkeeper, a backup. There's a couple of good ones on the free agent market this summer. That could be a nice fit. But you've got to sort the goalkeeper, the middle centre-back, and the left-side centre-back. And if that's all you do, that will be a successful summer. If you prick around in the midfield, you're spending money you don't need to spend. If you prick around in the wide roles, you're spending money you don't really need to spend. Because Richarlison, as a fourth forward, Hill as the fifth, and maybe you've got a couple of kids in your academy that can fill in and play in cup games. You don't need to do a whole lot more. You've you've got Perisic for another year. So let's say it's Hill, Richarlison, and Perisic as your backup front three. That's fine. That's all you need for next season. Sort that defense. Sort that goalkeeper. Whoever you get in as manager will not be as good as Antonio Conte. Simple as that. They will not be as good. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'm going to use a table calculator and a predictor thing to try and predict what the bottom of the table will look like when the season comes to an end. Because as I said, there are nine teams who could definitely go down this season. Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leeds, Everton, Nottingham Forest, Leicester, West Ham, Bournemouth and Southampton. Any of them could go down. And after the break, we'll do some predictions and find out who they could be, most likely be wrong about them. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that works out. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So I have myself a Premier League calculator thing here uh, at worldfootball.net. And we're going to go through this. Now, we're only concerning ourselves with the bottom nine here. So any games that include teams, two teams who are not among that bottom nine, I'm just going to do them as a nil-nil. And next week, maybe, we'll do the rest of them and see how that works out. So um, we still have games outstanding from week seven of the Premier League season, which was one of the weeks that was cancelled because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And all of these games include teams among our nine. Again, those nine are Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leeds, Everton, Forest, Leicester, West Ham, Bournemouth and Southampton. So first up, we have Bournemouth at home to Brighton. Brighton are really good and Bournemouth are really bad. 
Bournemouth at home have been better, obviously, than they've been on the road, but I still would fancy Brighton to go in and win that game. I'm going to go 3-1 to Brighton. Then we've got Leeds at home to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Leeds have been decent at home, not good, but better than away. So we will go 2-1 to Leeds at home to Nottingham Forest. Leicester at home to Aston Villa. I actually think that this is a game that Leicester will win. So I'll go Leicester 2, Forest 1. And then we have West Ham at home to Newcastle. Newcastle are very difficult to beat. They've only lost three games all season. That's the same as Arsenal. They do struggle to win games because they struggle to score goals. I'm going to go 1-1 in that one. Uh, That brings us on to week eight. The only game outstanding is Chelsea-Liverpool. And we're marking that as a nil-nil. Uh, we move on to week 25. There are two games outstanding. None of them include our nine teams, uh, Newcastle, Brighton, and Manchester United, Brentford. So we'll mark both of them as nil-nil. Week 28 is the weekend that's just finished. And there is one game uh, that includes one of our teams. So the other two games outstanding are Liverpool-Fulham. Uh, so we'll mark that as a nil-nil. And Brighton-Manchester United, we'll mark that as a nil-nil. The other game is Manchester City at home to West Ham. And I think City are going to win that game quite comfortably. We'll go 3-0 to Manchester City. Now, that brings us on to the upcoming game. So the first game up is Liverpool-City or City-Liverpool. We'll mark that nil-nil. Then it's Bournemouth at home to Fulham. Now, this will be Fulham without Mitrovic. And that is going to change their season drastically. I still think they can get a result in this game, though, because they've done pretty well without Mitrovic so far this season. So we'll go 1-1. Then it's Brighton versus Brentford in a battle of the best-run teams in the country. So we'll go 0-0. Crystal Palace under Woy at home to Leicester. Um We'll give Roy the benefit of a new manager bounce and we'll give him a 2-1 victory. Arsenal at home to Leeds. That stinks of a 4-1 Arsenal win. Nottingham Forest at home to Wolves. Forest's home form is the only thing keeping them above water this season. Uh, Wolves are struggling at the moment, so we're going to go 2-1 to Forest. Then we've got Chelsea-Villa in a game that could send Chelsea into the bottom half, but for now we'll mark it as a nil-nil. West Ham at home to Southampton. West Ham desperate for points. They will be in the bottom three. I think they'll get the win. We'll go 2-1 to West Ham. Newcastle against United is nil-nil. And then Everton at home to Tottenham. Now, this, this could be Tottenham under Ryan Mason, which we saw two seasons ago and isn't a good Tottenham. Everton are playing well against the better teams. They'll have the goodest an advantage, but I'm going to go with a 1-1. They don't think they can stop Harry Kane. Everton struggle with goals, so we'll go 1-1. That will move us on to Manchester United at home to Everton. We'll go 3-1 United. Aston Villa at home to Forest. I actually fancy Forest to sneak a draw there. Uh, Brentford against Newcastle is a draw. Fulham at home to West Ham. I'm going to back West Ham to win that one. 2-1 to West Ham. 
Leicester at home to Bournemouth. I think Leicester will win that one. We'll go 3-1. Tottenham at home to Brighton is nil-nil. Wolves at home to Chelsea. I'm actually backing Wolves to win that one because I just don't have any faith in Chelsea at all. Uh, Leeds and Crystal Palace stinks of a 1-1. Southampton at home to Manchester City. I think City go there and win comfortably, but uh, that's going to be a 5-1 for Man City. Uh, Liverpool at home to Arsenal will be a nil-nil. Uh, for the purpose of this week 31, then Aston Villa, Newcastle is a nil nil. Chelsea, Brighton is a nil nil. Everton at home to Fulham will give Everton the win, and that one will go 2 1. Southampton at home to Crystal Palace. I'm going to back the Saints to get a win 2 1. Uh, I think Tottenham will beat Bournemouth at home. I'll go 4 1 in that one. Bournemouth's defense is so poor. Uh, Wolves against Brentford. It's at Wolves. I'm going to back them to win that game 2-1. Nottingham Forest at home to United. I'm going to back Forest to get a point. West Ham at home to Arsenal. I actually think West Ham will take a point from that one. I'm going to go 1-1. Man City to beat Leicester 3-1 at home. And Leeds to lose 2-1 at home to Liverpool, which is probably a foolish pick. Moves us to week 32. Arsenal at home, Southampton will go 5-0 to the Arsenal. Uh, Fulham at home to Leeds will go we'll go 2-1 to Fulham. Bournemouth at home to West Ham. This one is a big, big game. I'm going to back Bournemouth to get the win. Palace at home to Everton. Reeks of a 1-1 draw. Uh, Bournemouth, Aston Villa goes down as a 0-0. Liverpool at home to Nottingham Forest. I'm going to say 3-1 to Liverpool. Leicester at home to Wolves will go 2-1 to Leicester. United Chelsea is 0-0. Newcastle Spurs is 0-0. And Brighton City is 0-0. Moving on. Wolves at home to Crystal Palace. I'll back Wolves to win that one. Villa Fulham is a nil-nil. Southampton at home to Bournemouth. I'm backing Southampton to win that one. Leeds at home to Leicester. I'm backing Leeds to win that one. Forest at home to Brighton. I think Brighton will go there and win. West Ham home to Liverpool. I think West Ham can get a draw. I think that's a midweek game. So we'll go with a draw. Uh, Chelsea... Home to Brentford is a nil-nil. City to Arsenal, nil-nil. Everton at home to Newcastle will go 1-1. And Tottenham United is a nil-nil. Crystal Palace home to West Ham. I think Roy edges out a win in this one. We'll go 1-0. Bournemouth at home to Leeds. I'm going to back Bournemouth to take the points in that one. Brighton at home to Wolves. Brighton will win that one. Brentford home to Forest. We'll back Brentford. Um, Arsenal, Chelsea is nil-nil. Fulham City is nil-nil. United Villa is nil-nil. Newcastle, Southampton. Newcastle victory. Liverpool, Tottenham is nil-nil. 
And I think Leicester will beat Everton at the King Power. Four weeks left into week 35. Bournemouth at home to Chelsea. I'll back Chelsea for a narrow win. Brighton to beat Everton, I think, is fair. Um, I can think Fulham-Leicester is a draw. Liverpool-Brentford is 0-0. Man City to Hammer leads 4-0. Newcastle, Arsenal is 0-0. Nottingham Forest at home to Southampton will go with a Forest win. Spurs at home to Crystal Palace will go with a Spurs win. West Ham home to Manchester United, I'm going to go with a, with a draw. And Wolves at home to Villa, I'm going to go with a Wolves win. Three weeks left. <clears throat> Aston Villa, Tottenham is a draw, nil-nil. Uh, Crystal Palace at home to Bournemouth. I think Palace edged the win here. I'll go 1-0. Uh, that one is a nil-nil. Brentford home to... West Ham, I'm going to back Brentford to win. You'd back Chelsea at home to beat Nottingham Forest. Man City go to Goodison and win 3-1 for me. I think Southampton can beat Fulham at home, especially because Mitrovic might not play again this season. Uh, Leeds at home to Newcastle, I'm going to go a draw. Leicester at home to Liverpool, I'll go a draw. And Manchester United at home to Wolves will go to 2-0 Manchester United win. Uh, week 37, we have Bournemouth home to, to United. We will go with a United win. Uh, Brighton home to Southampton will go 2-0 to Brighton. Fulham home to Crystal Palace will go with a Fulham win. Liverpool Villa is 0-0. Uh, Man City Chelsea is nil nil. Newcastle to beat Leicester at home. Nottingham Forest against Arsenal would go with an Arsenal win. Tottenham against Brentford is a nil nil. West Ham home to Leeds go with a West Ham win two one. Wolves home to Everton were going with a Wolves win. And that brings us to the final day of the season. Aston Villa, Brighton is nil-nil. Brentford City is nil-nil, as is Chelsea Newcastle, as is United Fulham. So, Crystal Palace at home to Nottingham Forest. I'm going to go with a draw. Arsenal home to Wolves will go with an Arsenal win. Everton home to Bournemouth will go with an Everton win. Southampton home to Liverpool. I'm going to pick Liverpool to win that one. Leeds home to Tottenham. I think we'll go with... I think we'll go with a draw. And Leicester home to West Ham. I think Leicester win that one. I'm going to go 2-1. And that is all the games. So we hit calculate... And what that gives us then is Bournemouth, bottom of the league with 31 points. Should I do this in reverse order? We'll do it in reverse order. We'll go from 12th down. So I've got, so you know, you know, Bournemouth's bottom now. I've got Leicester 
on 42 points in 12th. Hang on, let me just pull up a current league table so we can see how this works out. And compare it to where they are at the moment. So at the moment, Leicester are 17th on 25 points. I have them taking 17 points between now and the end of the season, which, being honest, seems unlikely. But they do. it would have them with 20 defeats. 12 wins, 6 draws, 20 defeats, 42 points. In 13th, with the same record, 12 wins, 6 draws, 20 defeats, but a significantly worse goal difference is Wolves. Uh, currently, Wolves sit 13, so they would be staying in the same position, but they would be gaining 15 points between now and the end of the season. In 14th, I've got Crystal Palace. Obviously, sit 12th at the moment. I have them taking 12 more points, ending with nine wins, 12 draws, 17 defeats, a goal difference of negative 18. Um, so, Roy will be happy. In 15th, I've got West Ham. So I have West Ham jumping from 18th into 15th, finishing with 37 points, which is 13 more than they have now. Um, Won 9, drew 10, lost 19. In 16th, I've got Leeds. Eight wins, 11 draws, 19 defeats, a negative 18 goal difference, 35 points. In 17th, eight wins, 11 draws, 19 defeats, a goal difference of negative 22, also 35 points, obviously. I've got Everton. And they're staying up by the skin of their teeth because With eight wins, 11 draws, 19 defeats, but a goal difference of negative 34, 35 points. I've got Nottingham Forest going down on goal difference. Then I've got Southampton in 19th. Nine wins, five draws, 24 defeats, negative 36 goal difference. 32 points, and Bournemouth bottom, 8 wins, 7 draws, 23 defeats, negative 40 goal difference, and 31 points. Now, obviously as the season goes on, there might be other predictions that change, but as of right now, I do think Bournemouth are gone. I've said that for a long time. I do think Southampton are going to go down. I I think they made a massive mistake. They've made two huge mistakes. One was Nathan Jones, which... That is a catastrophic error by Southampton's ownership to appoint him as their manager. He was never, ever going to work out I said at the time it seemed like the cheap option when Villa went and got Unai Emery and Wolves went and got Julian Lopetegui, you went and got Nathan Jones. And then to replace him, you gave the job to Ruben Sellers. And nothing against Ruben Sellers. 
I'm sure at some point he is going to be a good manager. Right now, he isn't. He's not ready for this job. He is way out of his depth. I get you wanted Jesse Marsh, but you made a mess of that. Nobody else. You made the mess of that. And now you're stuck with a rookie manager with no experience who looks out of his depth. So that is that. It would be cruel if Forrest go down on goal difference. It really would. So here's hoping they pick up another point along the way. Um, We'll just do the gossip and we'll get finished for the day, I think. I don't think there's anything else really to discuss on, on this Wednesday during an international break because there's not a whole lot going on. Um, Let me pull the gossip up now. Manchester United have stepped up their interest in Monaco's 25-year-old French defender, Axel De Sassi. Um, Quality defender, very quick, very powerful, well-suited to playing uh, in a high line, can play right-back or centre-back. I I can definitely see the, the logic in that one. Um, he's not he's not an elite level player but he is a a very good player and I think he's probably available at a, a decent price Sheikh Jassim bin Hamad Altani is set to increase his bid to, for Manchester United to 5.5 billion uh, I'll take that with a massive pinch of salt, given it's from the mirror. Manchester United and Liverpool lead Barcelona in the race for Ruben Neves this summer. Uh, that's from Football Insider, written by Peter Rourke, spoofer. Tottenham have been in contact with Maurizio Pochettino about a return to the club. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Former Tottenham boss... Harry Redknapp says he would love to work with Ryan Mason if he's appointed pulse. Harry, go away. Nobody has time for your nonsense anymore. Chelsea and Gabon forward Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could return to Barcelona as a low-cost option only 12 months after leaving Stamford Bridge. Barca will get him on another free and then probably sell him six months later for another £10 Chelsea may release Aubameyang from his contract this summer. would be a very Chelsea thing to do, but probably the right thing to do, in fairness. Paris Saint-Germain are the latest club to consider a move for Victor Osman. They're probably the only club that could want him. That could, that, sorry, that could afford him. Uh, Napoli want no less than €150 million Euro this summer. That's absolutely a fair price. Paris Saint-Germain have made Bernardo Silva one of the top summer transfer targets. I get him wanting to go to Barca. I don't know if he want to go to PSG. Real Madrid remain in talks with Luka Modric over a new contract. He has attracted interest from clubs in Saudi Arabia and Qatar. I hope he sticks around. I, I enjoy watching Luka Modric. Tottenham are unlikely to exercise the option to sign on loan French defender Clement Longley on a permanent deal. You know why that is? Because he's shit. And I told you when they signed him that he was shit. He has proven since signing 
that he's shit. But he's not as shit as Eric Dyer. And yes, all of those swears were necessary. Uh, Liverpool's former England midfielder, James Milner, will be forced to take a pay cut if he signs a new contract. Uh, Also from Peter Rourke, uh, so garbage. Uh, Wolves owners Aaron talk to to buy a stake in Belgian club KV Ustende. Uh, Interesting. Alex Awobi is close to agreeing a new contract at Everton. Uh, That's, I think, been in the works for a while. I think what's holding them up is he's waiting to see if they stay up before committing his future to the club. Liverpool may move for Ryan Gravenberch if they miss out on Jude Bellingham. It's a little bit like wanting to buy a Ferrari and buying a Volkswagen Golf. It's still good. Still good. But it's going to be disappointing, ultimately. France forward Moussa Dembele will leave Lyon at the end of the season and become a free agent with clubs in England, Italy and Germany keen uh, he would make a very sensible signing for a number of English clubs. He's a very good forward. Neil Mopé could leave Everton this summer amid interest from clubs in Italy. Um, fair to say it hasn't really worked out for Mopé at Everton. Uh, he can still be a valuable squad player, and he is only 26. He'll turn 27 in August He's never been a big-time goal scorer in the Premier League. He's only in his career only ever really had one big goal-scoring season. Uh, that was his last season with Brentford in the Championship. He scored 25 goals in the Championship, 28 in all competitions. He was outstanding. That's why Brighton uh, spent a significant amount of money in the region of $20 million to bring him in. Um, at Brighton, obviously, you know, 10 and 38, 8 in... 36, 9 and 35. Uh, good, but not great. Um, at Everton, one goal in 22 appearances. Now, the 22 appearances is a little bit of a false dawn because it's not like it's 22 starts. Uh, he's only actually played just over the thousand minutes. Um, uh, actually just about 1100 minutes there for Everton, one goal, one assist. He did have a run of starts when he first joined. I think he started his first five league games. Since then, he's only started five league games. Uh, so that's 10 starts in the league. He started 12 games, and the rest has been uh, cup games. He's only completed 90 minutes, I believe, once. Uh, a nil-nil draw with Liverpool. Yeah, that was his debut, wasn't it? No, it was his second appearance. No, it was his debut. Sorry, it was his debut. Uh, his, his debut is the only game in which he's completed 90 minutes. He's gotten deep into the 80s a couple of times. Uh, he's actually played over 80 minutes five times, but only once has he managed to stay the entire game. Um, so, you know, one one goal in 1,100 minutes is still not good. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't had a consistent run. He needs to play as part of a two. Him and Calvert-Lewin as a two could be interesting, but uh, we'll wait and see. I think that's the type of forward line that Dyche would actually like to play as well. A big one and a little one. Um, 
if he had a Wobie one side and McNeil the other with Onana plus one in midfield, I'd say Onana and Garner, that's quite a Sean Dyche setup. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, it might be best for him to move on if he's not going to get those opportunities. That will do me for today, folks. Thank you as always, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.